Hello and welcome to Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On this show, you'll find a mix of the latest news in the tech world, including privacy, infosec, startups, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and practical everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when new episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore, that's A-S-H-L-E-Y-C-O-F-F-E-Y underscore, and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Coffee and Code. On today's episode, I'm so excited because I'm going to be talking to you about one of my favorite things, and that is virtual reality. On this episode, I'm going to give you a deep dive into virtual reality, what it is, how it's being used, what industries are using it, the history of VR, how COVID is accelerating government adoption of the technology, talking through how VR will become mainstream in the future, and recommending some of my favorite VR experiences for you to try on your own. So let's dive in. So before we start diving in today, I'd like to go over what exactly is virtual reality for listeners that maybe don't have an understanding or an experience of of putting on a headset. Well, Merriam-Webster defines virtual reality as an artificial environment which is experienced through sensory stimuli. So think of things such as sights and sounds. And these are provided by a computer and in which one's actions partially determine what happens in the environment. So for example, if you have put on a headset and you have seen yourself in a virtual world, you've interacted with things, um, even a Google Cardboard headset with a phone in there, that is also virtual reality. Um, Today's virtual reality technologies really build upon the ideas that date back to the 1800s, almost to the very beginning of practical photography. Actually, in 1838, the first stereoscope was invented using twin mirrors to project a single image, and that eventually developed into the Viewmaster, which was patented in 1939 and is still produced today. The use of the term virtual reality, however, was first used in the mid-1980s when Jaron Lanier, founder of VPL Research, began to develop the gear, including goggles and gloves needed to experience what he called virtual reality. Even before that, however, technologists were developing simulated environments. One big milestone was the Sensorama in 1956. Morton Heilig's background was in the Hollywood motion picture industry. He wanted to see how people could feel like they were in a movie. The Sensorama experience simulated a real city environment which you rode through a motorcycle. Multi-sensory stimulation let you see the road, hear the engine, feel the vibration, and smell the motor's exhaust in the designed world. This is pretty big for 1956. 
Helig also patented a head-mounted display device called the telesphere mask in 1960. Many inventors would build upon his foundational work. By 1965, another inventor, Ivan Sutherland, offered the ultimate display, a head-mounted device that he suggested would serve as the window into the virtual world. The 1970s and 1980s were a heady time in the field. Optical advances ran parallel to projects that worked on haptic devices and other instruments that would allow you to move around in the virtual space. At NASA in the mid-1980s, for example, the Virtual Interface Environment Workstation, acronym VIEW, system combined a head-mounted device with gloves to enable the haptic interaction. And I'll kind of be touching over these um, milestones and the little history of VR that I'm going to, to give you all for today. Um, but today's current virtual reality gear really owes a debt of gratitude to the, the pioneering inventors of the past six decades who have really paved the way for the low-cost, high-quality devices which are easily accessible today. If I wanted to go out and get a affordable, really, really high-quality headset, I can do so um, for $299. I don't have to connect it to a PC. It's all-in-one, and that just would have not been possible a decade ago or even five years ago. VR has made leaps and bounds in innovation that we're really starting to see come to fruition now, and I believe that it's definitely going to make an impact in our technological history on the same level as the smartphone. Contrary to popular belief, VR is not just for gaming. There are a lot of industries using VR for training and development. Some of those industries include architecture, education, medical field, finance, automotive, news and journalism, law enforcement, fashion, entertainment, hospitality, fitness, and tourism. But I want to really touch on the medical field for a second. VR is being used for things like pain management, which is huge, helping new mothers get through labor pain, speeding up recovery and physical therapy, dentists using VR for their patients that have anxiety when they go to the dentist's office. It's also being used as an empathy tool for doctors and helping physicians experience life as the elderly. It's also being used to educate patients and prevent disease. So surgery observations. And one thing I wanted to really um, emphasize here is that there was a doctor that conducted the first VR surgery in 2016. Dr. Shafi Ahmed conducted the surgery, which could be viewed by anyone online in real time. And this technology is now being used to train aspiring surgeons and for surgeons to practice operations in advance. It's also being used to impact mental health, relieving stress, combating anxiety, and even helping those with PTSD. There's a lot of uses of, of virtual reality in the field right now, and I really feel like it has a positive impact across the board in helping people get prepared to enter the workforce, as well as helping people to learn um, new content and new developments, new developments quickly. There is a lot of history that goes into VR, and it dates all the way back to the 1800s. 
There's a lot of ground to cover. So for the sake of time, I'm going to fast forward to 1956 and start from there and end to where we are now. But if you're interested in learning that history, I highly recommend that you dive into it. Lots of fascinating stuff. But for 1956, the first VR machine was created by cinematographer Morten Heilig. It was called the Sensorama, and it was patented in 1962. It was a large booth that you could fit up to four people in at a time. It combined multiple technologies to stimulate all of the senses. There was a combined full-color 3D video, audio, vibrations, smell, and atmospheric effects such as wind. There is actually a YouTube interview of Morton Heilig in the Sensorama. Um, I highly recommend that you watch that to give you an idea of how far virtual reality has come since those days. In 1960, the first head-mounted display, also known as an HMD, was also patented by Heilig called the Telesphere Mask. In 1965, this was a big year for virtual reality, Ivan Sutherland, a computer scientist, presented his vision of the ultimate display. His paper is seen as the fundamental blueprint for VR. In 1966, the first flight simulator was made for the Air Force. In 1968, Ivan Sutherland and his student Bob Sproul created the first virtual reality HMD, the Sword of Democles. In 1989, NASA gives VR a go for training simulations for astronauts, and in 1990, the arcade era of VR really kicked off. Jumping into 1997, Georgia Tech and Emory University researchers use VR to create war zone scenarios for veterans receiving exposure therapy for PTSD. This was known as Virtual Vietnam. A big year for virtual reality was 2014, and that was when Facebook purchased Oculus VR company for $2 billion dollars. Defining moment in VR's history because VR really gained momentum rapidly after this. In 2015, VR starts to become more widely available to the general public. And in 2016, HTC Vive Steam VR headset launched. And this was the first commercialized um, headset with a sensor-based tracking, which allowed users to move freely in the space. In 2017, many leading tech companies began developing their own VR headsets, including HTC, Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Sony, and Samsung. TBD on when Apple actually released what it is that they're working on, but based on their hiring practices over the past five years, they are definitely working on something, if not in the VR field, definitely the augmented reality world. In 2018, Facebook demonstrates a new headset prototype called the Half Dome. It's a headset with 140 degrees of vision. In 2019, VR shifts rapidly. Mixed reality systems and sophisticated technologies are now a part of standalone VR headsets. So you no longer need to put a phone inside of a headset or you no longer need to connect your headset to a computer to run an experience costs are becoming much more affordable as well. 
So that leaves us at 2020. Here we are now. So most recently, the Oculus 2 headset came out and it was an iteration of the original Oculus Quest headset, which was the first standalone VR headset on the market. The graphics are significantly better, but most importantly, the, the cost has gone down tremendously. When the Oculus Quest came out originally, it was $500, and the Quest 2 starts at $299. This is a great example of how technology is making leaps and bounds in innovation and becoming more affordable and therefore more widely adopted. To help you better understand how much innovation VR has made in the past decade, I want to go over a comparison of resolution and clarity of different VR headsets. And credit goes out to Ben Ling of Upload VR, who posted this graphic on Twitter, which I thought was really interesting. So I'll be going over the name of the VR headsets, megapixels per eye, and when the headset was released. So this will help you get some perspective of how far VR has come just since 2013. The Oculus Rift DK1 has 0.5 megapixels per eye and was released in 2013. The Rift DK2 has 1.0 megapixels per eye and was released in 2014. The Rift CV1 has 1.3 megapixels per eye and was released in 2016. The Vive Pro has 2.3 megapixels per eye and was released in 2018. The Oculus Rift S has 1.8 megapixels per eye and was released in 2019. The original Oculus Quest has 2.3 megapixels per eye and was released in 2019. The Index has 2.3 megapixels per eye and was released in 2019. The Oculus Quest 2 has 3.5 megapixels per eye and was released in 2020. And the Reverb G2 has 4.7 megapixels per eye and was released in 2020. So as you can see here, some pretty incredible improvements to resolution and clarity. And these improvements really help individuals um, that may have had adverse um, experiences in VR, um, be able to have more smooth experiences without discomfort. Um, when I talk to a lot of people, they tend to reference a terrible VR experience. And that's most likely due to their experience uh, being three or four or five years ago when VR technology just really wasn't up to speed. So your experiences were choppy, the graphics weren't really good. Um, maybe they were looking at a Google Cardboard for the first time and, you know, you're functioning off of a phone at that point. Um, so I, whenever I have those conversations, I always want to remind folks that technology has come so far just in the past year um, to definitely give VR another chance because the graphics are just so much better. Um, and especially with the Oculus Quest 2. It's incredible the amount of difference just between the Quest and the Quest 2 in terms of visual clarity and resolution. It's really getting to that point of, is there a line between reality and virtual reality? There's still some work to be done, but we're definitely getting closer. On the topic of VR, there's a lot of questions that come up 
about will it become mainstream? And in my personal opinion, I think so. There's a lot of amazing research out there right now of how VR is helping individuals learn faster and become more engaged and helping doctors learn how to perform intricate surgeries. Um, and also the, the, the cost of a VR headset is much less expensive than it used to be, which is helping it become more mainstream. And there are a lot of companies that are starting to leverage that for innovation and being able to reach a broader audience, especially due to COVID. And on that note, I do think COVID is accelerating um, particularly government adoption of the technology. With the staff of many government agencies being forced to work from home because of COVID, government CIOs have had to really quickly move to adapt. While the initial focus has been on ensuring workers have the basic tools they need to do their jobs, like fast and secure internet, laptops and mobile devices, and access to essential online systems, as weeks really turned into months over the course of the past year, uh, more government agencies are starting to explore opportunities for better remote collaboration, communication, and training. An opportunity on the horizon is expanding the use of immersive computing technologies like virtual reality that creates new modes of view for users to experience digital content through computers, mobile devices, and headsets. VR lets agencies simulate real-world situations which are giving workers the opportunity to gain experience in a controlled environment. Not every city can or should follow in, in these footsteps, but there are a number of potential applications of VR and government, and the timeline to adopt these technologies has very much been accelerated by the pandemic. Agencies should use this opportunity to plan if they haven't already done so and begin piloting this new technology at scale. The cost of headsets are really removing barriers to access, like I mentioned before. Right now, the Oculus Quest 2 is only $299 and you don't need a computer. More industries are using VR and COVID really has accelerated uh, adoption. If you have a VR headset of your own, I'd like to take a moment to talk about my favorite VR experiences that I would recommend that you try if you haven't done so already. Um, these are not endorsed for any reason. These are just my personal um, favorites here. So at the top of the list is going to be Google Tilt Brush. This is a wonderful multidisciplinary um, experience. You can create in 3D. So instead of having a two-dimensional canvas, the canvas is literally all around you. You can walk through your art. You can paint on the floor. You can paint in the sky. It's, it's truly therapeutic and fun. Um, I love watching people get in it and, and just go to town and have a lot of fun. It's very um, appropriate for, for, for most ages as well. Another experience that I love is Mission ISS. Um, if you have motion sickness, this might be a little bit of an extreme um, experience for you because you are floating around in the International Space Station, which can be a little 
uh, crazy, especially if you're experiencing virtual reality and zero gravity at the same time, but it's, it's really cool. Beat Saber, that's a popular one. Um, if you aren't familiar with Beat Saber, think of it kind of like Rock Band. Uh, you have two lightsabers in your hand um, that looks like lightsabers, and you're listening to music, and as you're listening to music, you have to move and use your two lightsabers on each of your hands to cut through these boxes that come your way, and there are arrows that indicate which direction you're supposed to be um, connecting your lightsaber with these. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, ex it's especially fun to watch other people do it because it looks so silly on the outside. Uh, some of these songs go on these crazy expert levels. It's, uh, looks like someone's doing cartwheels essentially. Um, but yeah, Beat Saber is great. You will sweat. I, I guarantee it. Engage VR is another one of my favorite experiences. Actually, I, I want to talk about this for a moment because one of my best VR experiences that really made me have an aha moment and really made me understand how incredible this technology is and how impactful it will be was with Engage VR. Uh, shout out to Chris from Engage for being amazing and for being the best VR tour guide. Um, in 2018, Chris gave... Um, my colleagues and I, a wonderful demonstration of Engage VR. And he started it out with a beautiful video um, of Alan Watts. It's, it's, an, it's an Alan Watts video. There are some, uh, some really great audio snippets of him, some wonderful visuals and music. I highly recommend searching for that Alan Watts video in 360 and watching it in your headset if you haven't done so already. But the reason why this was such a prolific experience is, is because I was able to collaborate with my colleagues in a virtual environment in a lecture hall. We were able to hear a lecture from Neil deGrasse Tyson and see 3D assets fall from the, the sky and be able to interact with them in, in a way we've never been able to interact before. So that really helped me understand what is possible in virtual reality. Another similar experience um, to engage is going to be Altspace, um, which you can find on the uh, Oculus App Store. So Altspace is a wonderful um, collaboration platform. Uh, for example, I attended my first Burning Man in VR this past year that was actually in Altspace. So if you want to um, jump into virtual chat rooms, so to speak, or virtual events. Altspace is the way to go. A great game that I love um, is Space Pirate Trainer. It's fun. The audio is great. It really gets you moving. Um, and you just feel really cool being able to shoot at these little flying robots. Super Hot is a really popular one. I love it. Um, if you're not familiar with Super Hot, it moves as fast as you do, so it's, it's time-based. So you are fighting these low-poly red um, body models, and the faster you move, the faster they move. Um, it's really fun, and it's entertaining to watch others play as well. Aside from gaming experiences, I really enjoy the educational experience from National Geographic. You actually get to go on photography expeditions. You get to paddle in a kayak in the ocean 
really wonderful use of VR for education. There was also a really amazing experience that is free, and that's called Traveling While Black. This is an Emmy nominee outstanding original interactive program, and Traveling While Black is a cinematic VR experiences, experience that immerses the viewer in the long history of restriction of movement for Black Americans and the creation of safe spaces in our communities. And this was an eye-opening experience for me. The viewer shares an intimate series of moments with several of the patrons of Ben's Chili Bowl in Washington, D.C., and they reflect on their experiences of restricted movement and race relations in the U.S., it confronts the way we understand and talk about race in America, and Traveling While Black really highlights the urgent need to not only remember the past, but to learn from it and facilitate a dialogue about the challenges minority travelers still face today. In addition to those experiences, um, I've recently discovered something called Sound Self. SoundSelf has to be used with a computer, so if you have an Oculus Link cable, you will need to pull that out to experience this, just due to the graphics. But this is a meditation experience. What it does, it uses your microphone to pick up long tones, which are chants, and then it feeds that audio back to you through a guided meditation. If you enjoy different types of visual experiences coupled with ethereal music. You will definitely like this. I have done a couple of 15-minute sessions so far, and I am hooked. It's very, very calming, and um, it's just an all-around really good experience, especially with what's going on in the world right now. You can find that on Steam. It's uh, $30, I believe. Um, well worth every penny, though. If you are new to the show, or if you're a loyal listener, you know we like to do a weekly tech tip. If you're listening to this episode, it's most likely that you're interested in VR, or you have a VR headset already. So this week's tech tip is going to be centered around the Oculus Quest 2 headset. Two things I want to cover here for the tech tip is a feature called screencasting. If you don't know this, you can actually cast what a user is seeing in their VR headset onto your phone through the Oculus app. This is really great if you have multiple family members that are going through the VR experience, or even if you're doing demonstrations. In my line of work, I do a lot of VR demonstrations, and it's great for people to be able to see what someone is seeing in the headset, especially from a user and design perspective. Another great tech tip is something called SideQuest. So there are a lot of experiences that exist out there that you can't necessarily download directly from the Oculus Store, and this is where SideQuest comes in handy. You can download SideQuest onto your Mac or your PC. You can upload APK files directly to your headset, which is great, especially if you yourself dabble in VR development. It's a great way to experience new type of 
environments that you may not have um, experienced before. And something that I've discovered recently that is a side quest experience is something called a hand physics lab. It uses the hand tracking features of the Oculus Quest 2 headset. And you can do some really cool things, really cool experiments in there. So to recap on these tech tips, screencasting, side quest, and check out Physics Hand Lab. Before I leave you today, I would like to give a special thank you to Just Good Coffee Company, the official coffee partner of Coffee and Code. Just Good Coffee offers a carefully crafted selection of coffee from some of the most revered coffee producing regions around the world. Their commitment to offering exceptionally good experiences extends beyond just the products themselves, but extends well into the community, which is awesome. Their mission is simple, to offer good coffee and coffee for good. From cup to community, that is the sole purpose of Just Good Coffee. Be sure to check out their newest culture collection. These blends are carefully crafted and roasted to perfection, each with origins from within the great continent of Africa. You can find them at justgoodcoffee.co. I am personally a huge fan of this coffee. It tastes so good. Um, I drink it while I'm recording this and um, nothing but good things to say about this coffee company. Shout out to my friend Ray. Thank you so much and thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes of Coffee and Code go live.